Ladies and gentlemen, that's right, it's the new theme tune times of Rave It On, a pop culture podcast. That was a shambolic introduction, Stu. Uh, welcome, Stuart Late. The reason hello, I'm hello, Natalie. Hello, everyone. It's because we're Skyping tonight, and that's why I'm, I'm, I'm thrown off. Stu has a slight bug, and in a, a, a very like not a demon. It's not a demon it's bug. Not a demon. It's, it's not one of the Magisterium's uh, many. They all have uh, insects as as their they, as their yeah. demons. It's a little bit obvious, isn't it? <laughs> a little, little bit on the nose. I'm not going to lie. Um, insects but, and uh... reptiles. Insects and reptiles <laughs> is like, oh, you've got that. You're joining the magisterium for your career. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like very, Slytherin, uh... isn't it? It's like being in Slytherin and you're. Well, it's, it's like the it's like the fantasy version of nominative determinism. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Demonic determinism. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I can never say that word. Determinativism. Determinate. Anyway, this is a podcast. <laughs> That features me. I'm Natalie Bohensky, and this is Stuart Late, who is sure half is. Hello. Okay? Um, because he has a bug and didn't want to pass it on because I'm going into production and uh, opening of a show next week, and he very kindly uh, did not want to pass that along. So that's right. I didn't want to, uh, you know, at the very start of your run of uh, multiple shows, suddenly make you sick. That would be very bad. <laughs> it's all right. I'm on the armor force. Uh, oh, fair enough. Okay. It, it's a it's a journalist's and actor's kind of secret weapon, the old Armour Force. Mm-hmm. Uh, not sponsored. This is not a sponsored plug, but uh, I credit Armour Force for getting me through Edinburgh without getting <laughs> sick because as soon as I got back home, as I got off the plane, I was sick. So I, I kind yes. of contracted a sore throat and then was full-blown cold by the time I got off the plane. I've never had it happen that quickly on a journey. Mm. It was like my body went, ah, and sit down. All yes. the germs on the plane come flooding in. Let them in. We're fine. We've been we've been holding them back for a month. That's right. I, I figure, look, I've just got to get through Edinburgh without, you know, the immune system was being held together with, like, sheer willpower. I just, no, don't get sick. Speaking of getting sick, there is something rotten at the heart of Mrs. Coulter. And uh, <laughs> is that enough of a segue? I don't oh, know. absolutely. No, that's, that's masterful. That's one of the best we've done. <laughs> Um, so, yes, we are talking His Dark Materials first up on this uh, podcast recap show. And then a little later on, we will get into all things Watchmen. So this is His Dark Materials episode two that we are going to talk about. Now, Stu, let's start off with our one-minute challenge, which we just did before starting sure. uh, starting recording. This is where we put a minute on the clock and we try and remember as much as we can about the episode uh, that we've just seen. Now, I had a, probably a bit of an advantage because I just finished watching the episode. You, you uh, literally just, like, <laughs> literally finished watching the episode and then called me. So. Well, there was about a 15 minute break while I kind of okay. cleaned up my dinner plates and that sort of sure. thing. But yeah, pretty much. Uh, so, do you want do you want to go first? Uh, given that otherwise I might have too much. I'm not sure. Sure. Okay. Now, well, I'll okay. go first and we'll see what I miss because I I watched it last night. Uh, so okay. I've got about a 24 hour um, gap between between that episode and now. So we'll see what sort of stuck in the mind. Yep. Um. So my my very first item was Bad Monkey. Yeah. <laughs> Bad Monkey. Naughty. Mine mine was Mrs. Coulter and Evil Monkey. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yes. Um. That's a that's a nasty little monkey. Uh, really? Don't like him at all. No. Really really awful. Um. Uh, Mrs. Coulter is bad or is it complicated? Question mark. Yeah, it's like uh, still, still wondering what's exactly. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> this whole thing is an Ips complicated relationship. Um, <laughs> I then put uh, Lord Azrael is your father. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
which apparently is a is a, a massive revelation. Um, I also had, and I was very disappointed, Natalie. No armored polar bears. All we got was a bear skull. Yes. Um, but fortunately, uh, the the main character seems to be just as excited by the idea of them as I am. So I'm hoping yeah. that we go on that journey together. It it definitely um, was a bit of a bridging episode. Yes, it yeah. was mostly contained to Mrs. Coulter's very glamorous yet clinical, sterile kind of apartment. That's and right. it didn't have much in the way of outdoors, although what, with one specific um, departure from that. Was that all yes. on your list? That, that, was, that was it. And then at the very end, I just put uh, run away. Uh, run away. So that, that's very yes. good. Um, but yes, no, you're right. And, and as you're saying that, I remember that. Yes, we had all, obviously the Egyptians, which I am uh, reliably now informed is totally fine to say. Uh, come at me, cancel people. It's all good. Is it? Is it, you? I, how did, did I'm, you I'm declaring it now. Of... It's fine. I'm declaring it now. It's fine. If a, you... if a major international fantasy show is using the term, I'm good with it until okay. other until otherwise stated. Well, I looked it up actually, and it is online as a an old like an out. Um, what do you call a word that sort of used to be common and has fallen out of favour? Like an outdated or a um, there's a word. Yeah, I think outdated. I can't outdated. think of it. Um, but it's a, a, an old term for gypsy, or it, it has the same root term, which of course is Egyptian. Right, yeah, of so course. Yeah. it is a word. It, it is a word that existed that Philip Pullman's obviously used to bring in in a parallel world where the word Egyptian continued, but not gypsy. But they're also, I think, slightly different from you know the traveling people or Romani people that we would associate. With well, they term. have their their souls exist outside of their bodies as uh, animal familiars. So I mean, there's a there's yeah. a, a major difference right away. That's that's totally true. Yeah. Well, I put uh, on my one minute challenge, uh, of course, Mrs. Coulter, evil monkey. <laughs> um, dude can cross worlds. Yes, think, yes. Oh, I, yes. Wow. I think that dude's name is Boreal. I can't quite remember. I need to look at the credits mm. again. I think it's Boreal or Burial or something. Uh, Azrael is Lyra's dad. That came out earlier than I expected. Is what that? So oh, all last okay. week, all last week I was trying to avoid saying, "Oh, because you know, as Lyra's dad, two years." <laughs> right. Okay. Fantastic. Now, I, I noticed that the, the, what I found it really fascinating last week is that you obviously had more to say, but you realised there was spoilers in, yeah. in that conversation, so you were holding back a lot. And I did I'm notice trying. that. That was interesting. I'm trying hard to be good. I don't know it, this whole concept because I'm I'm um, trying to write written recaps, of course. And the, the, by the time you listen to them, hopefully they'll be online. It's just been a crazy <laughs> week with with show prep and other work. So I've Sorry. just you know there's 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 basically one written, and I'll start another one for this this episode. But I've just got to I'll probably put them up at the same time. The point is I'm trying to not be too spoilery, but I don't know how anybody recapped. Game of Thrones, having read the books, like it's so, it's so weird recapping something you already know a bit totally, about. Totally, yeah. Well, I mean that, that, that's right. And and what the the solution that I saw a lot of places go with is they would do two versions. Like so, they would do one without spoilers, and then they would do one version which was a review from the perspective of someone who had read all the books yeah. and knew everything that was coming and could talk intelligently about, oh, so they've changed the, this character's arc and this person showed up earlier or later than they were going yeah. to and all that sort of thing, um, which is really interesting. And I, I like those discussions, but I also think it's really interesting to come at this cold because I have no, um, pardon me, I have no prior uh, knowledge of any of, of these characters. And so I find it really interesting sort of the, the journey that they're going on and, and mm. not knowing 
and not quite understanding, and I don't know whether that's my fault or the show's fault, not quite understanding exactly the character dynamics that are in play. So I think that's really interesting. Well, look, to be honest, I'm sort of in the middle of that because I've read the books well over 10 years ago and I haven't read them since. So I know aspects of the plot, but I don't remember every character and every detail. So there, there was all that magisterium stuff that I was like, hang on, what was that about? Who Are they important? Do I, am I supposed to know these characters' <laughs> names? Am I supposed to have remembered them? So I'm kind of in the middle, whereas I assume someone who's recapping from the point of view of the book is they're going back into the book as they go along and going, yes, this is what happened at this point in the novel. Mm. And uh, I, I well, on feel... That, on that point, I did want to I did want to um, ask you, so the, the revelation that Lord Azrael is Lyra's father, um, does that come later in the book then? Because you seem surprised I, that it came here. Yeah, I do feel like that's been revealed early. Um, right. I, okay. I really feel like Lyra didn't find that out until much later, but at the same time, it's very easily Googleable. Right, sure, yeah. Um, like even if you just Google Lyra Bellacqua mm. and the Wikipedia entry or whatever will come up with, she's the daughter of Lord Azrael who pretends to be her <laughs> uncle. So maybe... <laughs> Maybe they've tried to come at it from the point of view of, look, this is going to come out, let's bring it out now. And given that the episode didn't have a huge amount in terms of, I suppose there's the big uh, revelation of what the gobblers are or what they might be doing, but maybe to give Lyra some more emotional heft and, and to... Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So, and it's, it seemed like, like obviously uh, some time has gone by where Lyra has spent time with uh, with the lady whose name whose name keeps jumping out of my head. Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Cobbler, yeah, exactly. Um, they, uh, it, it seemed like uh, you know several weeks had gone by, and I imagine in the book it's several chapters where she's sort of learning about things and and spending time with her. Um, is that the case, or is it is it a relatively brief time you're, in the book? You're going to keep asking me for book details, Stu, and I'm going to have well, to keep responding with I don't recall. But yes, I think we obviously see her arrive straight away because she's wearing the same outfit and she's seeing sure. the house first time. But yes, I think the, um, I, I don't think it can be too long because Roger, we see Roger and he hasn't been moved on yet. We see at the end of the episode that he's being moved away and going on an adventure. So I, I think maybe a couple of weeks is probably yes, exactly, yeah. likely or logical, but I don't think it's been months and months. I think she, seems to get to Mrs. Coulter's number quite quickly. Um, but the other things I wrote down um, were Gobbler's General Oblation Board, and those ah, names yes. start to become important. I wrote down uh, Lyra escapes and gets caught. I wrote down the journalist getting killed in the back yes. of the car. Yeah, yeah. Which we can talk about as as how fragile I guess people's lives can be if your demon is a butterfly. <laughs> if your demon Someone... is a butterfly, and yes. someone chooses to just crush it, you're instantly dead. Like that's it. No, and so, and so that chance. obviously that that does set up a stakes the, the the stakes that I wasn't quite clear on in, in the sense that I knew if you captured someone's demon or, and hurt them, it hurt the the person. Yes, and but you saw I, that with the monkey and and Lyra's right, yeah. uh, demon pantalimon. And and she and and the monkey held uh, Pan down and uh, Lyra was forced to the floor herself. So there's obviously yeah. like a, a one to one connection which was really good to sort of see and, and clarify but then the show goes one further and says oh yeah and also if your demon dies that's you you die mm. um which is very uh, which is interesting and obviously uh sets up like the stakes of, of what could happen to people yeah and i mean 
No, no offense, but if if you're a journalist, you know, trying to sneak into parties and things like that, <laughs> wouldn't you try and safeguard your very delicate butterfly demon? Yeah, like, you would think so. You would. <laughs> if we're talking about demonic determinism, a word I cannot say. I cannot say it. Determinativism. <laughs> it's close enough. It's fine. Predicting your future. Yeah. Then you'd be like, oh, I'm going to have a um a tiger. A very, very angry tiger. So when I'm sure. doing my journalisming, uh, I have my tiger here. I just pet it on the head. It growls at you. Um, or, yeah, it's it's really interesting how complicated the demon relationship seems to be. But in some situations, as we said with the magisterium, all being insects and snakes and things, it's very um, – yeah, it, seem, it, it seems quite simple in those yes, senses. exactly. <laughs> then how do you I don't know it's it it was weird uh but then so I wrote down her because she died but she gave you know Lyra a bit of uh insight before she did and then finally I just wanted to say that this whole episode was pretty much Ruth Wilson walking through a series of corridors and yes, that was definitely a thing and, and and having an inscrutable look on her face yes beguiling as I said last week she's just all kind of sort of Calm, easy smiles, and then just flashes of anger. So she's doing that quite well. Um, and I'm I'm really glad that the show uh, really pulled that rug out from under Lyra very quickly because it is extremely obvious that that lady is up to no good. Yeah. Like in terms of, <laughs> in terms of even before we saw her with a room full of kidnapped children, I think yes. uh, you know we sort of got the idea that you know she was up to no good. So. To have that confirmed is just really satisfying. It's like, okay, great, we can move forward now. She's 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 doing something bad. Like like yeah. it might be, might be for complicated reasons, and I suspect it probably is because it seems to me that this show isn't so much about like black and white questions of morality, but more it works in a bit more of a gray area than a lot of fantasy series. That I, I, you I might that might be so. wrong. Yeah, I think so, uh, because it's got all these elements of religion and things like that. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, I believe it is trying to to look at options and that sort of thing. But um, just to to go back to a, another demon issue, what did you make of the fact that uh, Mrs. Coulter's monkey can apparently move much further oh, away yes. from her? Absolutely. Well, well, that's obviously against the rules that have been established and is very interesting. Um, there's one idea that occurred to me and i worry that if i say it to you your your reaction will tell me if i'm right or not well to be honest uh, i can't remember <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> well, I can't remember if that's just something that you can learn to do mm. as in i guess if you were someone who's able to take up boxing you can maybe train yourself to learn how to take hits harder and harder maybe you can learn to take your demon further and further away and it just you'll feel it but over time as you push it you'll like like you know developing muscle totally uh, yeah, yeah yeah well i mean what was really interesting the, the first thought that i had was because she opened the door saw the monkey in the room by itself then heard uh god i've forgotten her name again this is terrible Lyra. <laughs> No, 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 not 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 Lyra, the the oh, the lady. Mrs. Coulter. Mrs. Coulter, yes, exactly. Yeah. Um. So she saw Mrs. Coulter at the other end of the corridor, so obviously like far too far away. And that they explicitly say, if Lyra and Pan were separated by that amount of distance, it would be very painful. Yeah. Um. So 
the first thought that I had was there was like a prestige situation happening where Mrs. Coulter is actually twins. I was like, okay, that could be a, Oh, I see. That's interesting. Like I thought, okay, that that's, that would be the easy explanation, I guess, is that, you know, they're twins and they both have a, a an orange monkey as a, as their demon. Um, but then there was the revelation that the monkey can travel through these little hidden tunnels in the walls. Um, well, so, they're just air vents, aren't they? They're yeah, just yeah, exactly. Well, they, yeah, just air vents. But like they've been they've been jury rigged so that uh, the monkey can get through them. Yes. Um, so I guess that's how the monkey got back there so quickly, unless that's mm. what the show wants me to think, and it's it's pushing I think me off. So. The other thing. But then, um, because then later on we see Lara looking at those blueprints, and there seems to be some sort of device with two chambers in them, one with the human and one with a demon. Um, which might be some sort of separation engine sort of deal. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I suspect you do. But yeah, <laughs> this I actually is the do thing. know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so, like, that's obviously maybe a tip of the hat down the line that there's some sort of engine that can separate you from your soul, I guess that would be, like, which is insane. Yes. Um, yeah. So, okay, interesting. Your 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 lack of response is very interesting. <laughs> The thing is, is that any way I respond, I mean, if no, we if put the general spoilerific thing out there, I can say, but I think, I don't think that they were trying to be subtle about that. No, that's right. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I think that you was know, pretty... there's literally a blueprint, as you said, there's like, here's 12, here's <laughs> demon, here's a gap in the middle. Okay. <laughs> I, I think that's um, one of those things that when you're doing something visually, you can't, sugar, you can't kind of cloud that, as in, whereas in the novel... I remember she finds deem she finds blueprints, but I can't remember what was in them or whether they gave much of a description. Yeah, exactly. You could just say, "Oh, we found blueprint." Oh, she found blueprints or something. She couldn't quite make them out. They looked to be some sort of device or something like that. You yeah, know? or yeah. she could see chambers with the children and demons in them, but didn't understand what it meant. You know, you can kind of cloud that a bit more when you're sure. writing, but when you're in a visual medium, unless you did the whole thing in the first episode where they looked at the photogram and then looked at each other and went, <gasps> and then cut away. <laughs> you know, unless, unless she was looking at it. Um, yeah, exactly. What I loved about that scene where she found the blueprints is how she had to get back into her room because, of course, in any show when you're sneaking, someone yeah. always comes home. Always come back, yeah. That's and the exact you have to wrong get time. back just in time. And she that was, was out a of really breath. thrilling sequence. I loved it. it I, I thought yeah, it was and, really good. and she was out of breath and she was trying to hold her breath. And you yes, could tell the, yeah, that was such the a great monkey detail. was suspicious. And she's just like, oh, I'm just studying. And then once Mrs. Coulter goes, okay, and leaves the room, she kind of exhales like, oh, God, oh, God, you know. And I thought that was really well done. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, that, that whole just, sequence was great. Was it just me or did she have a little scratch on her forehead? Yes, actually, she did. Like, yeah, you're very right. Um, that's what made me, because Mrs. Coulter was looking at her, and I was like, she's sort of seen, oh, she's got a scratch, and she hasn't mentioned it. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know she's got it, so she's just been up to something and cut herself without realising. Uh, I could be reading too much into that. Um, but, yes, essentially this was just an episode based around discovering Mrs. Coulter is evil. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it was – and well, actually, I was speaking of demons, so I, I did want to talk to you about this because there was something that happened that um, threw me a little in my understanding of how it all worked. So the well-dressed uh, magisterium man uh, went between worlds and obviously went to what I assume is our world, like our Oxford. Yeah, um, yeah. 
and arrived there and he still had his demon as a snake. Mm. And you mentioned to me last week that if you go to like our world, for example, you end up with your demon on the inside. Now, so I, what's going on there in a non-spoilery sort of way? <laughs> I can't remember. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, see, that's the other thing that happened that I think happened. I don't think that happens in the book. I think that's something that they've taken. What I think they're doing is perhaps mashing together um, the first and the second books a bit. Right, Okay. So I think they're taking elements because you know how last week you said that they took the Great Flood image from one of the newer books and yes, they kind of yeah, put yeah. that as a, a nice opening visual. I don't, I don't call the world crossing happening by anyone until book two. Again, that's that's not particularly spoilerific because it says in the thing it's like. The first book is in an alternate world. The second book is in our world. And the third book I won't mention, but um, <laughs> where it is. Uh, but I think they've kind of pulled a bit of that in to give these Magisterium characters maybe a bit more to do. Right, um, yeah, absolutely. Because I don't know what he was doing. Oh, he was going there to try and find Azrael. Sure, um, yeah, absolutely. And so I remember I can't exactly remember I, maybe you keep your demon with you for a small time but if you stayed in the world permanently it would disappear uh, okay yeah I think that, that makes might sense. like and if you came from our world into their world you would exist for a time but then eventually your demon would come out and take a form yes okay that, that, no, that, I, that makes sense I think that's what it is but yeah so he crossed over and he's he's able to keep his snake hidden well hidden um, whereas if Azrael was walking around, and that's the other thing, the photo showed Azrael with a hawk or an osprey, and the guy from our world is going, all right, well, I'll see what I can turn up. It's like, don't, yeah. don't know that his, his demon's a snow leopard, not an osprey. So I don't know if he's mis deliberately, you know, misplanted that information. Surely the, the magisterium dude, Boreal or Borear or whatever his name is, is... Um, is across that, that. That's right. Yeah, no, it's that, that did I, – I was very confused for a second because I thought they might have been talking about someone else. And then I'm like, no, he, he's talking about Lord Azrael, but he, he's – that this guy has a, a, a bird as a, as a demon. I was like, this is very confusing because I don't know what – because very obviously he had a snow leopard last week. So yeah. that's strange. But no, we are dealing with – He definitely has a snow leopard. Yeah, um, okay. It's just a question of – why he gave him a picture of him with an osprey like right, what is okay. he trying to achieve is that sure, sort okay. of secret squirrel business he didn't That's correct him yeah but he seemed to be in that place for a while like a day or something yeah yeah he yeah. stayed somewhere obviously right and I, I love that he has a he has a car that just had a couple of parking tickets on it yes <laughs> and a mobile phone and yeah i can't really I don't really understand why that's happening at this point because from my memory, and I could be very wrong, it happens much later in, in the books. Sure, okay. Nothing. So I wonder, I mean, it's just so lovely. It's so wonderful to be watching a fantasy show with like, you know, uh, talking animals and things like that. And then someone steps through a portal and then 
gets into their car and charges up their their their, their uh, phone, you know. Yeah, it's and just... he's using a phone from our world because they don't have those. Yes, exactly. That's um, right, exactly. Yeah, so it's just it's it's such a wonderful anachronism. It's actually the first time I was like, oh, this show's really can really play with that quite nicely with with like sort of stepping between like a very obviously like fantasy universe and then back to quite mundane things from our own world. That's quite cool. Yeah, and they even had on the at the end credit, um, it said like the voiceovers for a couple of the demons, and then it said uh, their world director or other world director, which I assume oh, right, means okay. the person whose job it was to go off and get second unit footage of Oxford. And, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you know. um, but yes, so what else happened? So Lyra's basically this whole time just trying to find she wants to help Roger, but Mrs. Coulter is more interested in making her over to be sort of a perfect clone of herself, I guess, to be. Yeah, and I, I did want to talk to you about this because I I assume this is either made clearer in the books or it's possible that it's just made clearer like later in the books, but it, it, it I still am struggling to understand why Lyra is even there. Like, like, like the, <laughs> no, not the overall reason, just like, like the, the, the overall like plot reason. I'm trying to think of the in-universe excuse for why Mrs. Coulter has taken on this young child. I still don't get it. it well, they said last episode that she's looking for an assistant because she's a female right. Uh, researcher, female scientist, a female scholar. Uh, and so she was looking for an assistant. And that's why sure. they took her like she'd like you to. Because, because this is a world where children work, Stu. And, well, it uh, has, has been well established. Yeah, um, they but, need but it, jobs. But then she's not, she's not acting like an assistant. She's acting like a child. She's dressing her in clothes and giving her, yeah, like, school lessons. She's making her study. Like, she's making her study, I guess, yeah, to not, understand. No, no, totally. But, I mean, it, that's not assisting her. That's just that's just making that, – that's just homeschooling is what that is. Like, it's just – Yeah, well, maybe just, that's how they roll in yeah. – um, It just seemed weird. Like, like obviously – and obviously Mrs. Coulter is trying to sort of mould Lyra into something that she can use. Mm. And she obviously has an affinity for children because she's got a whole, whole room full of kidnapped ones. Yes. But – you know, the purposes of which will remain uh, unknown until probably the next episode. But just the idea of I still don't I still don't know. Like everyone, like people at the party mentioned that, oh, we've heard a lot about you. It's like, really, you've heard your wealthy eccentric friend has like bought a child, basically. <laughs> like It's very strange. I still I just don't quite get. That the show could have done just a tiny bit more to just explain in universe what the hell Lyra is doing there. Yeah. It just I, seems it, to be taken as given because it happens in the books. And it's like the show needed to do just a tiny bit more to convince someone like me who's, who doesn't know anything about it. It's like, what is she doing there? I don't get it. You know, like, like I, like I understand, like I, I, I understand that she's there because like she's been taken out. She's, she's a ward now of, of this yeah. lady, but it's like, I don't get why that's happened in universe. Like, like the, what, what the excuse is. It um, seems like a straight sticking point, but it, it's just, it really, it really, I was seeing that the whole, because this whole episode is largely about the, the two of them and interacting mm -hmm. and, and the eventual revelations that happen in that, in that apartment. But it just seemed like it didn't, 
it didn't establish the, the rules of engagement to start with. It's like, what are we even doing here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're going to study electrons, Lyra. But then she gives yes. herself away by going, oh, I know all about dust. And Mrs. Yeah. Coulter's like, oh, really? What do you know? <laughs> what do you know about dust? Oh, um, you probably know much more than me. Knowing look, knowing look, knowing look. Yeah, and, and the demons seem to be very good, like Pan anyway. is like going, no, Lyra, shut up, shut up. <laughs> so, and they also supposed to be kind of your conscious, I wonder. They're, they're supposed to stop you from making terrible mistakes. Well, that's what I wonder. Yeah, I was going to ask you In about which that. Case, yeah. I, wish I, I really wish I had one because I could have solved me, stopped, uh, you know, <laughs> saved me a lot of drama. She's like, Natalie, pull up, pull up, pull up. <laughs> stop this right now. What are you doing? <laughs> That person is bad. Don't tell them everything. <laughs> but I do wonder, um, like, is it possible that someone's demon is actually way smarter than they are and, like, is constantly getting them out of trouble or vice well, versa? This, yeah, this is the thing. I mean, Pan seems to be the one to go, when, when have Pan we let... Pan is definitely uh, the brains of the operation at this point. Yeah, like, when have we let a door <laughs> stop us and, hey, we've got to go now. And so, yeah, they're kind of your other pairs of eyes and ears and mm. very practical. Now, in regards to the monkey fight, yeah. um, I again, this is pure nerdery. I, I immediately started thinking of power levels and that sort of thing. I was like, so why, if if the monkey is fixed, so the monkey is a monkey and, and can't be anything else, yes. but Pan has options and indeed does change at several points into like yes. a house cat, it was a cat. and like a yeah. stoat, I think, at one point. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, but like, what's to stop him changing into a tiger? Like, like, is there some limitation there, or? Yeah, and and at the end when Lyra was cuddling to try and sleep, I was like yeah. expecting Pan to turn into a, you know a massive bear, and just yeah. like <laughs> wrap his paws around Lyra and go, "Don't worry, I'll keep you warm." And and well, exactly, yes, exactly. Like, oh, we'll have to keep off. warm. It's like, oh, I I wish I you know if only you could turn into a large mammal of some kind. Yeah, I don't remember there being any restrictions on the demons and what they can and can't do, but maybe because she's a child, they can't become too big. You know, he turns yeah, into a bird that, that at one was my point yeah, and a butterfly exactly. at one point, but he's a little – is it a little ferret most of he the time? He seems to be a little ferret most of the time, yeah, a little white ferret. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like, like that's fine. I mean, if, if that's the case, I mean, that makes sense because he, he doesn't seem to turn into anything bigger than a cat or a stoat, so mm. – uh, or, you know, I think I think like a, a bird is the biggest thing he's turned into. So, you know, I, I get that that might be the limitation, but but it just sort of like it was something that stood out to me. It's like if he can change shape, like he could just turn into a bear and like knock that monkey across the room. Yeah. Like, but I think there's also a sense of as adults will have more. Yes. You know, which is kind of scary because when you think about, say, you know, you, there's no need to wallop your child. You just get your demon to kind of knock its demon or hold it down and go, right. <laughs> you just sort of click yeah. it into action and it, it'd be quite terrifying to grow up with people who are manipulative because they're just like, mm -hmm, I will crush your butterfly demon or I will get my monkey demon to hold your... Well, that's right. You know, you, you get like a, a toxic down. gaslighting person and then they they also have like a saber-toothed tiger as their, as their demon, <laughs> you know? Like but it's just, yeah. Maybe it would be helpful because you'd get a little bit more, you know, that, that person's demon looks really sus. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, it would have been nice to see some of the magisterium with like a big cuddly dog. Like imagine like a golden yeah. retriever or something. <laughs> You've got this evil, evil magisterium guy with just this big happy golden retriever Labrador just like, hi, we're the magisterium. Exactly, yeah. Just the, I- the idea that like, Every magisterium that we've seen is either a reptile or an insect. Uh, is very, um, very on the nose. <laughs> As I said at the start, it's like you know, why do you put all the bad kids in Slytherin? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> why do you do that? Just doesn't seem to make for a harmonious society. Let's just lock up all the bad kids together. Let's really bring out their um, bad side by creating an, a huge pile of them. But I suppose it's young adult literature, so maybe it's. They're there as, uh, you know, clues to the true nature of people. Well, exactly, yeah. I mean, they, they obviously gives some insight uh, into into the inner workings. Like, so Pan is obviously, like, very heroic and, and nice. And um, uh, Mrs. Coulter's uh, monkey demon has always been a little bit nasty looking. So Yeah. Yeah. And I can't remember if it was supposed to be like that in the – I know in the – I think in the books he's described as golden – like a golden monkey. Oh, okay. So I don't know if it's supposed to be more that whole Mrs. reflects the Mrs. Coulter being very beautiful and perfectly put together and kind of shimmering and classy and all that sort of stuff. And the monkey kind of reflects that until she, you know, clicks at it or gets angry and then all of a sudden you see this terrifying face, whereas yeah. because of the nature of CGI they've gone, well, let's just make the face a bit weird and aggressive <laughs> to begin let's with. Let's just make it look really angry all the time. Yeah. Um, what else can we talk about? So we saw some of the Egyptians go after little Billy and, um, and Roger, Roger, and they found each other. They were put in the same house, which was convenient. Yes, exactly. Um, so, so we, we have confirmation that the gobblers took these kids and they're, they're keeping them in London. Um, and now Billy's mum has a confirmation that Billy isn't just hiding in the hiding yes. in the field somewhere. He's definitely been kidnapped. Um, and we also get one of the Egyptians uh, goes to her other son and says, I have a plan. Do you want to be part of it? Uh, which is very interesting. Oh, I missed that. How did I miss that? <laughs> well, was it, was that... it was a throwaway moment at the end of the scene. So there's a lot of you know, big oh, emotions. Okay. And then he sort of says to him, I've got a plan. Do you want to be part of it? And he goes, yeah, all right. And then off they go. So that'll oh, be yes, interesting to see he, how that plays that's out. That's right. He had said to her, I want to go search for Billy. And she was like, no, you're not allowed. Or he wanted to go yeah. help find them, break in and find them. She's like, no, you're not allowed. Because obviously I've already lost one son. I'm not losing you too kind of thing. Hmm. Um, it is a bit of a thankless. Uh, can you get off the keyboard, please, Kat? Because you're going to stop the recording and something bad. <laughs> Sorry, I have a crystal back here today. If you are keeping up, she's the one who last week was quite clingy and she's doing it again. So I don't know what's wrong. Maybe she's a <laughs> demon and she's trying to tell me something. I'm not sure. But she, she, I had this thing today where I was trying to type and she had to put herself in a very particular spot um, right. between my computer and like a glass. It had to be between that spot and I had to keep moving the glass out of the way and I would try and pick her up and go, just sit on my lap then if you just want, you know, to be close. But she was like, no, no, I have to sit on this side of the computer right where your hand is on the keyboard and then I have to at weird times lick your fingers because that's what I do. (laughs) Exactly. That that makes the most sense. Yeah, and now she's taken up residence just kind of snuggled in behind the laptop here. So (laughs) (laughs) she's a funny chicken. Um, but yeah, so the Egyptians raided the place where the kids were being 
kept, but they had already been moved out. And we then see Mrs. Coulter go and uh, talk to them and reassure them and be all lovely and smiling, saying, hey, we're all going on an adventure and we're going to write your mothers and fathers a letter to let them know where you are. And then Roger's like, well, I don't have a family. I'm going to write to my friend. She's like, oh, how lovely that you have a friend. (laughs) (laughs) And then he narrates this letter aloud. Yes, very, very helpful of him. And then she throws them all on the fire. So she has not been trying to help Roger. She's known exactly where he is and she has no intentions to return him to Lyra and be Lyra's friend. Mm. Um, But Lyra's now been kidnapped by the Gobblers, so she may be about to meet. Well, and that's right. So I, I, so it then like begs the question, like, so if, if Mrs. Coulter is like part of this whole kidnapping conspiracy, like she's just going to end up right back where she started. Yeah, seems a bit self-defeating. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also thought it was very strange um, during that scene where Mrs. Coulter goes to, to, to the to the kidnapped children, where like Roger's twelve. Oh, he seems younger than that, though, doesn't he? He's he seems younger. about ten. I don't know. I think Is he's he supposed to be, the same? to be around. Because I mean, Lara, Lara's supposed to be twelve, right? Well, yeah, they're they're yeah. about that. And it feels like. You know, if a weird woman, if you'd been kidnapped and then a weird woman came in and said, write a letter to your parents telling them where you are. <laughs> it's like, I'd, I'd be I'd be asking her what's going on at the very least, not just sort of being like, I'm going to write to me friend. <laughs> it's like, yeah, he's, I think he's just not a great little actor, that kid. It's, <laughs> everything he does seems a little naff. Yeah, he's exactly. cute and he's he's adorable. And the scene at the end where they're walking down the corridor and he's got a tear in his eye and I was like, oh, poor Roger. But yeah. he's just – all the lines that they've given him are all a bit naff. But as you say, it's like when um, Lisa Simpson is trying to report Mr. Burns for stealing back all the puppies and he says, <laughs> here's a phone, call someone who cares. And she just goes, 911. <laughs> and he's yeah. like, give me that. Give me that. Like he would, you would go, I, I'm going – I'm not sure why I'm here – uh, lady's making me write a letter, so. Mm. Well, actually, I did think because he he was saying. Then you, you're a parent. Are very... Kids are dumb, aren't they? Isn't that the whole kids, thing? Kids, kids, are, kids are so dumb, stupid. That's why you have to them not to put go, you know, take candy <laughs> from strangers. Well, exactly. They, yeah, they will. Kids are stupid, oblivious uh, idiots who'll just <laughs> wander into traffic if you're not watching them carefully. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um, I did wonder. I I wondered if the show was setting up because he was saying things out loud and sort of looking at Mrs. Coulter in a very strange way, which I now think is maybe just that the kid has tr- like, isn't the best actor, uh, which isn't his fault, but you know, um, but uh, I thought he was like writing in code. I was sitting there going, Oh, is he leaving Lyra a message somehow? Oh, like they've like, got like, a cryptic code. Yeah. Between... That, like they had some, they had some words that they agreed on, like as like a, a you know, childhood code. Uh, between yeah. friends, like, like whether he was sort of saying things in a certain way that she would get that, you know, this was this wasn't normal or nice. Something was going on. It's possible. I don't remember if that happened in the books. But then uh, she burned the letter. So. She burned the letter. It's it's mute. Uh, mute. It's mute. <laughs> it's mute. It has been muted. As well, it a has been muted because it's yeah. been uh, burned. So. I don't know. I think that's everything from that episode. I mean, we saw there was a creepy old 
cardinal or something who had a chat to oh yeah that was that was very cool that scene this this hulking man who's all hunched over and and actually ends up shorter than the the tiny little man that he's talking to i thought that was a, a really cool visual and they're the ones who go and warn Mrs. Coulter that, you know, the General Ablation Bird her, board, General Ablation Bird, that's a good bird. <laughs> Vote now in the Guardian poll, Bird of the Year, General Ablation Bird. <laughs> have, you, have you voted in that thing? It's all Twitter seems to have been doing for the last, like, two weeks is just having arguments about Australian birds. I haven't quite understood what's going on. Look, People if they have to, to argue passionate. about something, it may as well be that. Well, I suppose so. It's better than everything else <laughs> going on in the world right now. Um, but, yeah, they, they warn her about her experiments and she's like, if they really, you know, they, they should be telling me to speed up, not slow down. And her experiments seem to have something to do with children and demons and dust. Children, demons and dust and those blueprints that Lyra found. Yeah, they're trying to prove something about dust, that it hmm. exists or it doesn't exist or whatever it is that's heresy. I still haven't quite untangled that yet as to what. Yes, yeah, exactly. Like they keep talking about that's heresy. I'm like, I don't understand what you're talking about. Yes. And I don't know if the show wants me to understand that or not. I don't know yeah. if I'm still supposed to be in the dark. Yes, it's a it's a bit tricky, but I assume next week, given that Lyra's been kidnapped, we will see her either reunite with Roger or start heading north because the episode was called An Idea or The Idea of North. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. Which, which coincidentally is the name of a very popular... Oh, God, cat. Oh, Jesus. Sorry, I'm having cat issues. Um, they're the kind of technical other issues podca- we have. Other podcasts podcast. have tech issues. We have yeah, cat issues. Cat issues. Um but yes, yeah, so she. Uh, what was I saying? It's going to be something. Uh, the idea of North. Yeah, the, the yes, title. it's a quite a popular a cappella band based in. Oh right, uh, okay. Brisbane called the Idea of North. They've been around for years and years. Are they uh, named after this? Is that where this possibly, is from? Yeah. Quite possibly. Uh, I, I I would have to look that up. But yeah, they're called the Idea of North, and they're they're very popular and do concerts at the Powerhouse and stuff all the time. <laughs> so anyway, I I kind of feel like this episode was a bit. Uh huh. Like, yeah. cool, we've established Mrs. Coulter's bad, or at least bad enough for Lyra to want to get away from her. She wants to still try and find Roger. Lord Asriel is somewhere off, possibly in our world, possibly doing research. The Magisterium are after him, and they're still rocking that uh, slightly swastikerish um, vibe. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, it felt it felt like a weird episode too. Um, it felt. Like, normally, I'm used to more things. I guess a lot of stuff did happen in this episode, but it felt very wheel-spinning and table-setting, probably, is, is a better word. Um, just just putting stuff on the table and setting things up. And I feel like, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm not used to so much of that happening in the second episode of a series. So I guess that's mm-hmm. sort of a bit of a hangover from how the book is written and the plot that unfolds there. Um, I guess so. Yeah. It feels very like a weird adaptation. Very frustrating for me to keep saying, I can't remember. Sure. <laughs> I, 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 and this is the thing. I have It has such a fond spot in my heart, those books. Yeah. But I did read them many years ago when I was a lot younger. It could be now that I'd pick them up and go, well, this is all very obvious and oh, this is all very, you know, uh, uh, what's the word, tentative? No, tentative. Well, it, it's a thing. I cannot word <laughs> exactly yeah yeah but i i i we, we, we're all suffering from that but um 
the uh, what what I did want to sort of bring up and, and sort of talk to you about, and I, you might have a better idea than me. I mean, obviously, these are these are based. The, the show is based on young adult novels, so like in the same vein as Harry Potter and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, who's this show for? Because it feels yeah. like it's a little bit creepy for kids about Lyra. Like if if a twelve year old watched this show, I feel like they'd be both kind of creeped out and kind of bored like it's a very slow like stately sort of show and yet it's slightly not adult enough for like a mainstream adult audience I feel that's right because you know there's no swearing and there's there's no no swearing you know well there's there's no tits and dragons in this thing like it's 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 just uh, yeah. you know, nor should there be like not every show is game of thrones or, or should or should it be but should you know it be? <laughs> well that's true that's true yeah but um you know the, it's not it's not that sort of hyper violent you know sexual sort of show but yeah in that same way it's also it's it it's definitely not a show specifically for adults but I mean, the, the the example that I that I point to is Doctor Who, which, which is mm. um, obviously a, a long running show and and has figured out its tone multiple times across its fifty year history. But it it's a show that is meant to be watched by everyone, like so adults, children, teenagers, whoever. Yeah, uh, but it started and, as and a it, kids show. But it did, it did, but but it you know it started as a show, but but you know the the the, the show that we're watching. Now, certainly the revived Doctor Who since 2005 has been designed as a family show that everyone can watch, True. Um, which doesn't mean that it doesn't deal with like adult concepts or have scary images, but it just feels like adults can watch it and get something out of it. Whereas I'm I'm picturing just a random 50 year old sitting down. Oh, this his Dark Materials apparently is good. Like sitting down to watch it and sort of going, huh, okay, like. You know, I, I'm not I'm not seeing the casual audience who watched Game of Thrones despite never having read or watched a fantasy TV show or property before in their life. I don't see that audience sitting down with his dark materials. I think you have mm. to sort of be in that space. Yeah, it's too it's probably a bit kiddie for people who want that real heavy stuff. They've probably gone the Game of Thrones audience, in all fairness, is probably watching Watchmen. Yes, well, exactly. Yeah, that's you true. know out of the two, um, and that's a good also... segue as any. <laughs> hey, do you like that? Do you we're, like that? We're, we're nailing it tonight. This is amazing. Oh, look, it's seamless. Once I edit all these bits out where we point out <laughs> how good we are, it's going to be great. Oh, it's going to be perfect. So, um, yeah, I think that's everything. With uh, I think that's a really good thing, and we can come back to that next week and go. Okay, yeah. so where are we at with the? You know, maybe there still is an audience for a family show that kids could watch, sorry, parents could watch with their maybe early teenagers, 13, 14, 15-year-olds. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I don't know, aren't, aren't 15-year-olds making porn on TikTok these days? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> they're very advanced. Um, <laughs> I saw someone when I, tweet. When I was 15. I, well, I saw someone tweet or came into my Twitter feed the other day Someone saying, "Oh, we've had we've had a work intern come in, and they don't know how to use Facebook because they just use Snapchat and TikTok." And the person was like, "And I've never felt so old." And I was like, "And I'm probably older than that person." Yeah, that's um, that is frighteningly. (laughs) 
So it just, yeah, you wonder what next will be. And I haven't started a TikTok account yet because I just, I don't have the strength yet to dive into I, I was about to say, I, I don't need another social media account in my life. This is fine. The, the kids can play on TikTok. That's fine. <laughs> I'll just be over here with grandpa on my Facebook. I'll, I'll be looking at Boomer's rant on Facebook. That's fine. <laughs> oh God. Now the Boomers are back. Oh, the, bo- the Boomers never left, Natalie. That's the problem. Thanks. Well, I think the thing is, it's it's a it's all very well and good to have these generational wars. Uh, <laughs> I've met some really Let's terrific boomers, <laughs> and I've met some re- met some really terrible millennials or Gen Ys, as as we sure. used to be called. Absolutely. I, I'm I'm a millennial. I, well, when I was twenty, we were called Gen Y, but now by now yes. we're millennials. Yeah. You, you so and I you are both family I, millennials. We're we're at the top end of of the millennials, but we're definitely yeah. millennials. That's right. And then um, and then the, behind us are the Gen Zs. Somehow Gen Y became Gen- millennial at some point. Um, but uh, I've met some pretty terrible <laughs> millennials in my time. <laughs> some really nasty people and mm. some really excellent, amazing boomers. So um, it's 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 I get that you have to have these generalizations and stuff. Um but so yeah, Natalie, is your thesis that you're telling me right now that uh, is the generalizations are bad? Yeah, I just right. people keep throwing this okay boomer more and more. It's been like the insult du jour for the last like month on Twitter well, no, and Facebook. I mean, it, it sprung up in like a week. It just it's went very nuts. weird how it just suddenly like okay boomer just became a thing, um, which everyone... which suggests there is some some underlying sort of uh, you know. Uh, tension that that sort of tapped into but you know yeah it was weird how quickly it. it came up i get it people sort of our age who and particularly since they people love to kind of go oh millennials they don't know it's like oh millennials are all approaching like the top end like you and i we're approaching <laughs> 40 or at least yeah. 35 stew 30, um, yeah, sure. <laughs> maybe 30 um but it, these are people who are now often in cases like you parents you're buying houses you've got yes. careers it's not and, all and have been told 20. we've been told can i can i just say about that we've been told our whole lives that we're messing things up like like the entire the entire our my, the entire time i've been aware of it i've gen y and then millennials have been told you're doing it wrong right yeah. and now even parenting is apparently apparently millennials are doing parenting wrong like I keep well, hearing, you know, either either too much screen time or like not enough screen time or, you know, something you're doing something too much or too little. And I guess that that's that's been the case with parents, you know, going back hundreds of years. But it's just it's just one more thing where an older generation is going, you guys are doing it wrong. It's like, just let us do it. Come on. <laughs> just go away. <laughs> just just be quiet. Like, my, like go, my go to are... one of your many investment properties yeah. on on one of on one of the holiday parts of this great nation and just be quiet. Yeah, oh, it's a yeah, it's definitely like it's definitely a thing. There's definitely this weird vibe running through a lot of people who are what's boomers? Are they sixty now? Sixty? Yeah, boom, boom. Yeah, um, just... Most boomers are in their sixties now. Yeah. Yeah. So you've you there's definitely a thing where a lot of them had great opportunities that then got cut off from younger people but a lot of them I suppose made enough money to go oh well my you know family is okay what about the rest of you jerks mm, yeah um but it is it is weird too because it's just the thing about getting older when you're like oh I'm I'm a generation in the middle now I'm not just the new generation there's one behind me 
Yeah, that's right. Um, and they also seem to be super animated and care about stuff. Um, uh, yes. <laughs> whereas... Our generation definitely embraced uh, irony and disconnectedness. Yeah. Um, which is funny that because whole, that's meant to be Gen X's thing. Yeah, the whole Lisa Simpson, meh. Like, to me, that's a very millennial, yeah. meh. And sometimes it can just be hard to be passionate about stuff. And then you see, like, 20-year-olds going, we need to do this. And I'm like, wow, you guys have energy? What's yeah. Where are the jokes? Where's the <laughs> where's the lols? Uh, very, very earnest. Anyway. Let's move on to Watchmen. Having, having thrown know, away I that perfect segue, anything let's I said there. Well, I don't think I made any sense with that. And I, don't <laughs> want to I don't want to upset. It just, I find it quite forensically fascinating to see this that kind is, of universal yeah. insult pop up of OK Boomer and then everyone start to get, you know, stressy about it and then other people go and then, and then the memes upon memes of OK Boomer, like there's Battlestar Galactica references and um, – can, can I just say though, like, like it, it already is probably played out, and I think it's become a bit of a, it's, it's entered like a, a phase of like double bluff irony where like people are using it like doubly ironically or some or some yeah. insane like aerobarus of internet nonsense. But yeah, it, it like just having said so that, quickly. yeah, it happened so quickly, and and the speed at which things happen now, it it became a thing wasn't a thing and then is like becoming a thing again but like from the other direction where people are saying it like with a knowing wink and that sort of thing but anyway like, but but the the more the, the the thing that i do like about it is that it's such a wonderful like when you see like a facebook screed from like your dodgy uncle or something like posting about you know some ill-informed half-baked theory they have about climate change or, or politics or you know something happening and they'll They'll post a bunch of, you know, oh, rah, rah, with this this weird authoritarian tone. And just to see the first comment just be, okay, Boomer. Yeah. Like, it's, it is pretty great. It does make me happy <laughs> on a very deep and visceral level. So maybe there's something to it. I don't know. I suppose it does capture that sense of ironic distance that yes. uh, we're just talking about. Yes. Um, Speaking so, of yeah. ironic distance, Watchmen. I am so enjoying this show. It's great. It's really, and I really, really, I really actually do wish that I had started recapping this. And I keep thinking maybe I should just go in and dive in anyway from this episode or the next one. My, my problem is just time and uh, oh, sure. I, I At least we're doing this podcast about it because I'm having such an interesting time trying to work out what the hell is happening. Yes. And yes. <laughs> oh, boy. And we've got some doozies this week fit all the pictures in oh my god yes okay so should we do our minute challenge sure absolutely um, so i'll start because you probably you go first, yep. know more about this than me so i've got angela learns about her family oh yes yes get some sort of acorn and is able to again in a world where they don't have mobile phones but they have complex hologrammatic family <laughs> yes exactly yeah get with a very small dna test um oh we meet lady true Lady True, yes. Lady True and her creepy daughter is, like, <laughs> just like her but, you know, 10. And that opening segment where she just convinces a couple to move out of their house, she just goes, oh, this is mine now and I'm giving you well, five. Well, manipulates the couple. Yeah, and it's, baby. it's amazing. Like, and, and she's like, oh, she can't, you know, she can't make us a baby. She can't do that. And it's like, oh, no, 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 sorry, you mistake. I already made one. Here is a baby. <laughs> And it was actually quite nice the way they played it out. 
um, was where the dad kind of got into it way more quickly. And yeah, that and kind of scenario, it's often like, oh, the, the, the woman's upset because she couldn't conceive and all that stuff, where she was like, no, that she's trying to trick us because obviously she spent a long time moving on from this. Um, but then when it was like, well, I'm, I'm just going to have to kill the baby. I just- actually, I yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> she was like, oh, just, just kidding. I'll, I'll find him a loving home, but he'll never know where he came from. Yeah, and it was the woman, you know, you've got 30 seconds, and it was the woman who then went and grabbed the pen and signed. So she kind yeah. of seen her husband's reaction and seen the baby, and then there was this, this snap of like, okay, sign. It was such a clever and yeah. horrific. It was, <laughs> um, it was a wonderful scene. And... and I, I thought it was a like bargaining tactic. I, I thought it was like a very sort of um, <laughs> big blue dick energy um, bargaining <laughs> tactic of, uh, you know, Lady True coming in and saying, this will take three minutes. And at the end of that time, we will have a, a, a result. But the end of the scene indicates that maybe there was a bit of a ticking clock on the on the operation in the because... sense that as soon as they, they sign on the dotted line, the sand runs out. And And something giant falls from the sky. Yeah, and that's what I um, just had then, Lady True, Baby and Meteor. She Mm. left it to the last possible minute to get them out and then was like, okay, we've got this and here's my, you know, what is that? Oh, that's mine. Like really cleverly done. Yeah, absolutely. And other people, I I won't take credit for this because this is a theory that multiple people have sort of put on the internet, or not a theory, but they've, they've noticed this about the show, is that they keep retelling Superman's origin but like tweaking it in various ways. Oh, so, how, how so, well, um, these uh, the, the, these couple, this couple is called the Clarks, right? Oh, and they live they live in a farm in rural America. Oh, and instead of instead, and the, you know, they're obviously a childless couple. They're a kindly couple who, uh, you know, instead of a baby falling from the sky, and they take him in, a baby is presented them, to them, and something falls from the sky. Oh my God, that's you know, um, and that's happened a couple of other times. The the um the uh very first uh, scene that we see uh with the the massacre, the Tulsa massacre, um or the Greenwood massacre, uh you know that boy has a very similar origin to Superman if you put it that way. And if you believe what's actually happened, he then went on to become a superhero. He became Hood of Justice. So, you know, and the show, the show yeah, keeps... You're still running with that theory? I, I, well, I feel like I'm pretty, I'm pretty there at, the, at this point. Like, I feel like the show isn't making a mystery of it. They're just not giving you everything. They're not giving you all the pieces yet. Because that's the other thing that I wrote down. Well, I wrote down a few more things, which was uh, Old Dude with Lady True. Yes. So they're in cahoots in some... Who is over 100 and, and apparently is still hale and hearty and can stand on his own two feet, doesn't need the wheelchair. Yeah. He's, he's all good. He can lift a 200-pound man, man. Yeah. Um, and so Angela also ends up in this weird, slightly buddy cop relationship yes. with Silk Spectre, with Laurie. <laughs> I love but what she, she says to her, like, cool costume. <laughs> yeah. But she doesn't – so she knows who she is uh, and Angela's – but Angela's kind of trying to hide stuff from her. So she goes yeah. to Looking Glass and says, hey, can you – uh, hide. What was it she was hiding with him? Uh, she hide, showed the, him? hide the pills. Hide the pills that were in the car. Oh yes. Which we and find out came from. Uh, came, came from. From, her, from how? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Will Will Reeves. Will yeah Will Reeves yeah. Uh, Who obviously <laughs> named himself after Bass Reeves the um the 
the hero that he was watching in the in the uh, newsreel at the start of the show? Uh, I don't remember that. Oh, right, that was. Okay, yeah, yeah, in, in I was the theater. I was going to say there's another Superman connection with Christopher Reeves. Well, well, it, well it could be. Who knows? Um, George Reeves. <laughs> oh yeah, lots of Reeves and Keanu. So Reeves. No, I'm Keanu just Reeves, <laughs> who played a Superman-like figure. Uh, that is true. So yeah, so she asks. So she's kind of having to buddy up with Silk Spectre, but she's also asking and trying to hide stuff from her. Um, and Silk Spectre goes and has a talk with her husband. I wrote that down. She's mm. and and she's he's keeping things secret for her as well. Yeah, because he's he just says, I, yeah. I don't like lying. Yeah, he's just such a good dude. I, I <laughs> just a good dude. Uh, and, and, and a model a model atheist, which um you don't see often in American TV shows. Oh yeah, that was an amazing scene with the kids going, oh he's in heaven, Judd's in heaven, and he's like, look. Uh, let, let me tell you how the world is, kids. He was no one, and now he's no one again, and that's fine. <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> "Who wants pancakes?" Yeah, that was that was just an amazing moment. This is what I mean. He's like a great character, hmm. supporting character, who's not, you know, it's a role reversal kind of thing where he's the dad at home looking after the kids, and she's the superhero mum totally. fighting crime, but yeah, he's the one right. doing kind of providing the moral center whereas you know she's beating guys up out of you know slightly out of police um purview and uh breaking into that um genealogical center to get her family tree written written which is we find out it does make me wonder why she couldn't have done that during the day i'm not sure why exactly (sighs) yeah it it didn't end up being anything super controversial it was just oh your great grandparents are these people who we saw get murdered in the tulsa um riots at the start yes. or the tulsa massacre at the start That's um, it. and then she tells lady true who speaks to her in vietnamese saying your grandfather wants to know if you've got the pills or your great grandfather or whatever he is no great he's a grandfather will reeves is a grandfather and he's like yes, yes like you you tell him to go f himself yes exactly in, in <laughs> vietnamese which was a great yeah, it was, great, um, uh, it was a lovely moment, and I'm 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 just surprised that Silk Spectre didn't also know Vietnamese. <laughs> it sounds like the kind of thing that she probably would know. Um, but then the last thing I've just written here uh, was babies in water. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the moment when I was like, oh, I should have been recapping this. There's so much going on with that whole it's thing. So- wonderfully like what a, what an image so gross and yeah so he's like pulling weird he pulls them up in crab pots humanoid babies babyoids yeah. up in crab pots and then tosses them back if they're i guess too small yeah like, like, you know are they not regulation size like is he gonna is the gamekeeper gonna come after him but they were they weren't super baby like they were baby ish like but not quite baby like yeah, they, they look like they look like something by Escher. Like they were they were very, yeah, yeah very or, or Geiger or you know HR Geiger or something. They they were yeah. slightly they weren't quite human babies. They were and something. So I, like I clocked on pretty quickly. Oh right, this is where he's getting the clones from. Sure. They grow yeah. in crab pots because they had umbilical cords. Like they're not like crabs actually scooting around. They've they've been put in there. To yes, yeah. Gen- germinate or generate or what do fetuses do? Grow? 
evolve. <laughs> what do they call it? Develop. What are the? What is the term? I cannot find Revel, my words. I think I, I'm. I don't. I can't think of the term myself. You know, babies. They 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 get bigger. There's a term. Gestate. 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 Thank you. Gestate is the word. So they're gestating in crab pods in a lake. (laughs) (laughs) And he's just pulling them out when he needs them. And then he puts them in a very simple, um, what looked like a, um, oh, what's that effect? We spin around and around. Centrifuge. That's the one. A very simple steampunk centrifuge. And then all of a sudden they're fully grown and totally nude and not sure what to do when they can't speak. And then he goes, dresses them and takes them into his dining room where he's murdered all of the rest of them. <laughs> he says, I had a rough night. I had a rough uh, because night. Because it was his, because it was, as we find out, his four-year anniversary of having been in this place. So that and so that bears out your birthday cake theory. because Yes, exactly, like, yes. So it's been four years. We've been seeing a day a day each year, basically. Yeah, of finishing off of this. This cake, there was like a just an end of a cake, I think, in this one. Yeah, he was eating. He was eating the last slice, I think. Last remnants of one. Um, but what was he doing for the other? Like, he hasn't been. A, he's been away for thirty years, virtually. Where's he's he been, been missing. He's been missing for seven years. Oh, okay. Missing so, for seven years. Now declared dead, but he's been. He was declared dead after being missing for seven years. So somewhere else for three of those, and then on Mars or possibly on the moon. There were a few moon images tonight. Well, that's right, exactly. Yes, okay. uh, yeah. I, I want to sort of talk about that. That's very interesting. Okay. Um, well, what did you have on your sheet? And then we can talk about. The okay, moon. cool. Well, I had uh, I had river babies mm-hmm. uh, coming to coming to the History Channel. Um, I also <laughs> had um, <laughs> I also had uh, Easy Bake clones, uh, which was talking about how they they got made. Um, which is very, which is very interesting too, because he specifically says to them, and he might be lying, but he says, "I didn't create you. I, I would, you know, I, I, you know, you know, cooked you up, but I didn't create you. Like, like I would never have done this to such poor, poor, stupid animals. You know, you, I, I may be your master, but I am not your creator, which is very interesting. That is interesting. Um, then I said, uh. uh Vite is either on the moon or in that statue, um, because in Lady Trude's vivarium, oh, no. um, there is a giant, there's a, a life-size golden statue of Ozymandias yeah. that looks like Jeremy Irons today. And and Silk Spectre actually, Laurie, Laurie Blake actually comments on it. She says she he looks like shit. And, yeah, and that's Lady right. Trude yeah. says, Lady Trude says, well, uh, no, we uh, um, uh, we revere our elders in my culture. Um, so there, that's why that statue looks like that. And for no other reason. Um, yeah. And it was, um, it, it that whole thing. Cause she, she, we had been saying it looks like the Clinton monument or the no Clinton monument. That's from Futurama, the Washington monument. Yes. It kind of looked like a big uh, obelisk, but no, it's a clock. Everyone thinks it's a clock, but as Lady True says, no, it's much more than a clock. So is it like a time travel device or? Maybe. There's there's hints to that in the extra material on PDPedia on the HBO website where they he talks about uh, like multiple, like if you could see outside of time. He, he talks about uh, almost like a minority report style of policing where if you could, 
if you could predict crimes before they happened, you could do something about them. Mm. You know, and stuff like that. So that idea has been put out there by the show, by the officially by the show's creators. So like the idea that, you know, and, and Dr. Manhattan plays into that because Dr. Manhattan in the in the book famously has this 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 outside sort of perspective on things where he's sort of he's observing the universe and trapped by it because he can he's in the universe and interacting with people, but he sees in a nonlinear fashion. So he sees things that happen, things that are happening and things that will happen. And mm. it's just this inevitable sort of lattice work of 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 time. So that, that that's definitely something that the show's playing with, I think, where you know we're we're jumping around in time. Who knows what's happening with Vite in in terms of um you know whether that's not concurrent with the other events of the show, all that stuff. Yeah. So it's really interesting to think about. Yeah. Um. And and Silk Spectre also gives Angela a lowdown on who she is. Or she gets gets Petey yeah. to, to she say gets to gets Petey to give the Wikipedia entry on her. Yes. Um, well, which is gets, very, I imagine, is very uh, helpful for people who haven't read the the graphic novel. Yes. <laughs> and and there was he got cranky for some reason when Angela said something like, "Oh, you were masked something," and he was like, "No, no, no." That's incorrect. He got cranky for some reason that I can't. Oh, remember. he um. Well, Angela says, "Oh, you were." You know, she said hooded justice like on the show, right? And he's like, that show is actually very wrong. Uh, it has many historical yeah. inaccuracies. Yes, that's right. The Minutemen, like the like the TV like, show, like the and TV show. Like, no. And so he kind of was the internet at that point. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely standing in for a certain type of fan. But it's also interesting um, that uh, he is like, like the the fact is like superheroes exist in this universe. So it's like those based on a true story type things where there'll always be someone who you know there'll be the there'll be articles that come out afterwards like when a movie or a tv show does like a based yeah. on a true story they're like actually this is what happened and the, you know yeah. the, the show took several liberties yeah so it's quite it's quite funny to, to see that sort of playing out here as well um what else happened in this episode uh, i'll tell you what happened uh, natalie we got the introduction of my favorite superhero lube man oh my god yeah lube man what was that? That was Angela just going, just what the fuck? And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> she she was definitely speaking for the audience at that point. <laughs> just, he... I love the idea that just just randomly, and I'm sure I'm sure it'll pay off later. I, I'd, I'd kind of love if it never did. I'd love <laughs> if it was just like, it just like this happened. This was also a thing that happened. Just randomly, a, a man in, a, in head-to-toe silver spandex Who's led serious? her on a on a foot chase. <laughs> made himself super slippery and then like slid in the yeah. creepiest way possible into a drain. It was like the guy from It. Yeah. What it reminded me of? It reminded me of uh, it reminded me of Tombs from the X Files. Oh yes, and the other guy was um. Yeah, yeah, stretchy live reading guy from the X Files, and also greased up naked guy from Family. Greased up naked guy, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there, there's there's all that DNA in there. Just um, just what a I love that this show, which is already weird and strange and and off the wall, can include something that is so so like anachronous that even the characters in the show are like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> She's standing there in a full superhero uniform yeah. going, what the fuck is that? 
<laughs> and then she brings the thing back and and Red Scare is like, what what is this? What is this? <laughs> lube man. <laughs> what is this lube man? <laughs> oh goodness. Um so yeah, so what what I I what else happened? I'm trying to think. Angela was dumping. Angela was dumping something at that point that she saw Lube Man. Was that yeah, like she cut up? She cut up the wheelchair to to get rid of the evidence. Oh, so she cut up yes. the wheelchair and she dumped it onto a passing uh, garbage truck. And then she turned yeah. around and saw Lube Man. And then she <laughs> went back to the office. And it, it turns out Laurie has moved into Judd's old office. Yes, that happened quickly. Absolutely. And um, so and then they go and talk to Lady True. And so then the the episode ends with. Lady True uh, talking to Will, uh, who we realise is there, and then they know each other and they've teamed up, and he definitely is over 100 years old, and he's still quite vital. Uh, something to do with those pills? I don't know. Yeah. Um, he seemed, but but he seems to want to sort of pass all this information out to to Laurie, uh, to um to Angela, to Angela. Mm. Uh, in in stages, uh, and he says, oh, is that um. You know, he says, let, let me let me do this this my way. You're doing that to to your daughter anyway. Right. And so that uh, is it really interesting because, I mean, beyond where we're working on the assumption that she's a clone. Right. <laughs> like, that's definitely oh, yeah. Good what's point. going on there. Because she, she says to her, she says, I have a dream. I had a dream. Mm. I was running. Yeah. Um, a walking and she had to keep walking. Yes. And then Lady True just goes, it's OK. Go back to bed kind of dismisses like she doesn't give her any kind of tenderness or a hug or yeah that's right comfort her. And of course she's... so so uh, in this universe i mean you, you you probably already know this but in this universe like vietnam is one of the states of america because yes. america very comprehensively won the vietnam war because they had a walking god on their side yes um and uh the the idea then is that uh lady true like is from vietnam and I, I think the implication is she was there and, and the, that she was part of that, although that would make her very old. Like, like the Vietnam War happened in the 70s, but in the 60s and 70s in the Watchmen universe as well. There seems so, to be some weird stuff happening with age and pills, yeah. and so maybe she's taking them as well. That's right, exactly. Um, or maybe she's not the first version of Lady True. Yeah, because she said something about her mother, didn't she? Her mother said yeah. not to Vietnam, so she found mm. a loophole and brought all the plants from and, Vietnam. With her. Vietnam never leaves me, yes. uh, which is a very interesting way of putting that. Yes. So, uh, yeah, maybe she's not old, but she's got a history. And she also, I mean, so so her backstory is that she took over all of Veidt's companies when he sort of almost almost went bankrupt. That's, yeah, that's right. They said that and, too. And, she and, them and took over them and became even better than than he was in many ways, like in the sense that she, she turned, he was a billionaire, she became a trillionaire. Trillionaire, um, that's right. And um, he he also quite famously in the comic has a has a vivarium uh, on uh, in in Antarctica. That that's where the the sort of the the final showdown of the of the the graphic novel happens. Um, and there's this quite cool image of like the he he opens the dome of the vivarium, which is like a, a hot house, and lets the Arctic sort of take take the the vivarium over. Um, which is, you know, very, very thematically relevant to that to that story. But, you know, it's just interesting that she's like she has a vivarium as well, uh, which sort of, you know, given what we know of Vite from of Vite from the comic, like sort of suggests that she might not be up to to 
good or maybe that that's a misdirect and maybe she is a hero of the story who knows did you say a B- bavarian it sounds like a what the the hot uh, house of a bavarian spell that v-i-v-a-r-i-u-m bavarian i've never heard that word before i think no, you no. say a bavarian <laughs> as a in bavarian. a german person <laughs> <laughs> uh you know if i had a bavarian uh down in antarctica just had the umpa you know had the had the uh the the the, the lederhosen on doing a bit of umpa band <laughs> chugging back mugs of stout and uh yeah then he, he let the uh antarctic take it over and it was very sad for everyone. <laughs> it was the day that umpire umpire expired yes <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i mean i thought it was a good episode i don't think it was as quite as good as last week's which had laurie no. in it which really was quite spectacular yeah um, well, last but- week's episode was amazing but the um the the vibe stuff with the babies and the, the the literally he he pulls a couple of levers and turns a couple of wheels and this thing spins. <laughs> That's like, right, and, and grows two humans for him. Steampunk technology, but it was batshit insane, and I was like, what is going on? So I'm, <laughs> I'm really enjoying the way that the show is just throwing me all this wacky stuff. That's because yes, I mean I know Game of Thrones had wacky stuff like White Walkers and dragons and things, but it still it still had a medieval world and a sense of I guess yeah. that definitely... I could ally with. Whereas Watchmen is I'm, I feel like I'm on um, egg, not eggshells but like wobbly ground whenever well, I watch right. it. And, and, but what I find really interesting is the fact that um like, like Game of Thrones there there's there's a, a base that it's building off like there there's a fantasy medieval sort of base that it. it you know, there's shorthand and, and stuff that, that it uses that, you know, you, you have an even a, a firm ground to sort of say, okay, we, we get it. Like, we know sort of medieval castles and knights and kings and, mm. and fantasy fantasy stuff. Um, Watchmen doesn't seem to be doing quite the same thing with, like, superhero media in the sense that, like, this show is bananas in a way <laughs> that I have not... Like, like you know, you think about, the, like, the Marvel movies. Like, the Marvel movies go out of their way to try and you know uh, ground everything so that you can accept all of the all of the um all outlandish badness. characters and 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 situations that they get put into you know watchman on the other hand is just like nope no 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 hand holding this is what it is yeah. if you like it like you got to be on board with this because this is this is what this show is yeah and it's kind of crazy like i love it i, I just love the fact that they're just like you. you're gonna get lube man you need to yeah. be ready that's you it. You, you've got to be. You've got to be okay for Lube Man. He's a slippery sucker. He's, he's coming for you. <laughs> he's gonna slither oh. into your heart. So what are you? Because we've only got nine episodes, so we're approaching. We'll be sort of halfway after next week's episode. Yeah. I, I would um, actually. I would look out next next episode. I would really look out for. Um, oh, actually, that that I was going to say. I really look out for mirror themes in next episode. But then I just realised that next episode apparently uh, like the the brief is we're going to get more of looking glass um i I didn't put that together until just now but yeah um because in the comic um the the middle issue is called fearful symmetry um taken from the william blake poem tiger tiger burning bright oh Um, right yes right And, and it's called fearful symmetry um because the issue itself is the midpoint of the comic and it itself is com- is a complete mirror image of itself so 
if you look at the the comic, the first panel mirrors the last panel and so on throughout the entire thing. And that the middle of the comic is a double page splash that sort of mirrors itself. That is very clever. It's insane. It's an insane level of detail. People hadn't really done this with comics until until Watchmen. It was just this this next level use of the medium. And so I would really look out next episode for themes of mirroring and like things doubling each other, which is really interesting because we're apparently going to get a lot more of Looking Glass in the next episode. Well, that would make sense through yeah. the Looking Glass. Exactly. Because um, he does play on. Doesn't he that they play on sort of literary references and stuff? Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, Ozymandias is is Shelley, and uh, if if he's doing Tiger, Tiger, who's that? God, Tennyson? Uh, William William Blake, I think. Oh, Blake. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I'll be uh, I'll be fired for not knowing my poems. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not knowing my poems, my proper English poems. Um, but yeah, I can't think of anything else to talk about that episode beyond the fact that I once again was quite delighted by it and, uh, really enjoying the week to week process of watching the show. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I, I love the way the show is unfolding. I think it's, it's really quite wonderful. And it's, I, I think I, I said this last week, but it's so much better than, than I was expecting it to be, <laughs> which is delighting me every week. Like I'm like, oh, yeah. they, they still haven't screwed this up. Like they could yeah. still, there's still plenty of room for them to screw this up, but they haven't done it yet. So let's yeah, see how it I, goes. I'm and and look, because I don't have the investment in the comic and stuff. I'm like, you know, I'm willing to go with wherever this takes me, and sure. yeah, yeah. and maybe I'll get a different level of satisfaction out of the end than if they you know, quote unquote, stuff it up for the true believers. But I'm just, it's so unlike anything else, uh, certainly this year, the last couple of years in terms of inventiveness and even just the episode titles, which I assume have meaning that you can pull from them. But um, uh, like the the second episode was Daring Feats of Comanche horsemanship or something and there was yes, a painting. Was the name of name of the painting yeah it was a painting and then there's yeah so there's there's all these kind of allusions and plays on words and stuff but i just love the fact that they're called random these random titles that yeah don't... And, and the way and we haven't we haven't talked about this but the way the titles are incorporated into the beginnings of the show yeah. are different every week and they're, they're yeah. different like they're different in the way that they would be incorporated into like a comic panel yes um, which is very cool like like yeah, yeah it's very awesome They've really tried to make that comic sensibility yeah. come to life on screen, which uh, it makes so much sense that that happens because it's such a visual medium. I know that's a really stupid thing to say, but <laughs> they've lent into it. They haven't tried to go, let's turn this into grand epic scale um, film, cinema. They've gone, how do we you know, use the medium of TV and the medium of a graphic novel and combine them? Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll look out for those symmetry things, but I assume there's heaps of things that I've missed because I just feel like this is the sort of show that when you rewatch it, you'll see all sorts of little bits and pieces. Like I just couldn't get over Jeremy Irons and his jodhpurs. Like that just delighted me. (laughs) And I remember, um. He's a man who wears jodhpurs well. Yeah. I feel like he's finally got a good bit of pop culture cred with this one because remember yeah. I don't know if you remember Stu I was quite I was in my early 20s I think when it came out but they did a Dungeons and Dragons movie 
With, <laughs> they did too, that's right. With yeah. Justin Whalen, who had been most famous at that point for playing Jimmy Olsen on Lois and Clark, The New <laughs> Adventures of Superman. And I'll point out, not even the original Jimmy Olsen, who got fired or something after a year, like the replacement Jimmy Olsen. Yeah. And so he was in this Dungeons and Dragons movie that was, it's one of the worst films I've ever seen. And Jeremy Irons <laughs> was the bad guy in that. Right. And then they did those movies. Was it Aragon or something? There were dragons. Australian guy wrote oh, them. Yeah, They're about a talk as well. Dragon. Yeah, God. And so and Jeremy Irons went, oh, I'll be the bad guy in that. And it was like Lord of the Rings had happened, and he was going, you know what's popular? These fantasy movies. I'm going to get in on this ground floor. Uh, and get myself popular with the kids. And I assume he got paid a whole lot of money. But the movies oh, sure. were terrible and nobody liked them. But I feel oh, like yeah. he's he's finally got his chance now to be over the top, chew the scenery bad guy. And it yeah. totally works. Absolutely. You know, yeah, yeah. Because of the nature of the show and the nature of Veidt as a character and someone going mad through this, you know, golden cage he's living in. He's totally nuts and I love it. And <laughs> I think... I hope that Jeremy Irons is happy that he's finally getting his pop culture cred yeah, moment. Yeah. He, finally, <laughs> he finally hit it. He, he's had, I mean, he has he, he has an Oscar, right? Like, you know, he has like all the accolades. He's this, this critically That's acclaimed it. actor, but now he's got now he's got that pop culture cred, which is what you yeah. need. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if Jeremy Irons does have an Oscar. I'll just do a quick. He Google. doesn't. That's crazy. That'd be crazy if he doesn't. He's been in, in a lot of very good movies. He's probably got BAFTAs and stuff. Well, he was uh, also to to put the um to put the Die Hard uh, connection. He was in Die Hard with a Vengeance, as uh, Simon. Oh, wasn't that he Hans guy. Gruber's brother or something? He was Hans Gruber's brother. It uh, turns out. Well, okay, no, I sorry, I apologise. He did win an Oscar for Best Actor in as Klaus von Bülow in Reversal of Fortune in 1990. Right. I have no knowledge of that movie whatsoever. No knowledge of that movie at all. But obviously he was in The Lion King as Scar. Oh, of course, yeah, I keep, yeah, I, I, that completely slipped my mind. Of course he was. When oh, we talk about him that. having his villain role. Yeah. He was in He was in um, uh, The Man in the Iron Mask, of course. I love yes. that movie. Yeah, yeah. I, know it was, I know it was lame, but it was. Uh, I loved anything Three Musketeers in the 90s, so I enjoyed that. Very, he was Richelieu in that, wasn't he? Um, or was he one of the musketeers? He was one of the musketeers, I think. Oh, he was um, Aramis. Uh, uh, no. Um, Aramis, Athos. yes. He is Aramis. He is Aramis. Yeah, the, the sort of oh. the holy one, the religious one, yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, and then he was... Oh, he was Alfred. Oh, of course he was, yeah. He was in, um, yeah, he was in the Batman... He was in Justice League and, and the Batman movies as Alfred. That's okay. Wow, I had com- I had completely forgotten that as well. That's how yeah. thoroughly I had scrubbed those movies from my brain. Yes, uh, he's seventy-one. Oh my goodness, he's, he's remarkably well preserved. Yeah. See, this is the thing with men. You just everyone looks at you going, "How are you? You look great." But having said that, I think we talked about this last week. But Gene Smart is uh, sixty-nine years old. Yeah. Well. Um, I think, you know, I think the key is to get a really good film career as a British actor <laughs> is just to yes. be awesome on the stage for, like, 40 years. Like, Judy Dench, I think I think GoldenEye was her first movie, her first actual mm. cinematic movie, or at least one of the very early ones, if oh. I'm not quite. 
And now she's, that's all everyone knows her for is her movies. But she was just TV and stage in the UK until uh, GoldenEye, I think. Or maybe something before that. But GoldenEye was the first one that she turned up in. That was like a big uh, Hollywood movie that she was in, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, okay. Well, I think you, I think, uh, (laughs) (laughs) Like like Lube Man, we have slithered down the conversational train. Yeah, no, that's okay. I just was reading this. This is why. So... In 2008, two researchers, a linguist and a sound engineer, found the, quote, perfect male voice to be a combination of Jeremy Irons and Alan Rickman's voices based on a sample of 50 voices. Well, that makes sense. They both have very good voices. Deep, gravelly tones inspired trust in listeners. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Um, Because... They always say in radio, stewards, you know, that there's... I was going to say, yeah. All these, um, you know, theories about voices and who's trusted more and people don't like listening to women on radio, which was, which was, I think has probably gone away a little bit now, but back when we were working in radio was sort of a dominant, when we were in AM radio was a very which dominant was, theory. Which was a terrifyingly recent time ago. It uh, really it was. <laughs> but at the same time, I do feel the... The difference between 2010 and now heading into 2020 mm. really feels like it's more's been packed into that decade than previously. It has been. It has been weird. I've been. I've been seeing more and more uh, things pop up, like you know, uh, retrospectives of the 2010s, and which is insane to me because I still think of the 2010s as something that is new and and not something yes. that's nearly over. Yes. Like we're just getting into a groove, and that groove is uh, dumpster fire. <laughs> <laughs> like that seems to have been what the 2010s have been, that, and of course, yep. it doesn't. The 20s don't really start until 2021, so it's really the end of the next decade. But well, I mean, look, cu- culturally, culturally, 2020 is the beginning of the new era. I know, I know that pedantically, it doesn't start till 2021, but 2020 is when everyone starts talking about the 20s. Yes. So. <laughs> I think it was John Birmingham who said that every decade kind of spills into the next yeah, decade a yeah. bit. He's, so he's you, very you know, spot on with that. Yeah, he's, he's, the he's 80s didn't really start until 82 or 83, and then you get the 80s vibe, and the 90s probably didn't start till 92, 93. And, um, yeah. Certainly, yeah. certainly you know, 2012 felt a lot like the previous sort of decade. Yes. If I that guess makes so. sense. And, and after 2012, because, you know, in 2012, there, there was like the, the Mayan apocalypse is going to happen. Remember that? And then oh, all of a yeah. sudden, yeah, it was, you know, the 2012 was seen as like an end point. And then we got past it because, of course, we did. And yeah. people were like, oh, I guess we have to think of something to do now. So culturally, I think that that's probably when things kicked off. 2013 was sort of when uh, the, the 2010s sort of came into their own. So I guess for the next couple of years, I guess until the... I mean, 2020 is the American election. That that might be a good uh, point, depending yeah. on what happens. Let's hope. Um, Let's yeah. hope. <laughs> um, no, it's just so weird to think that in 2008, you know, you had Barack Obama come in and you had this incredible wave of, like, optimism and, mm. wow, <laughs> how amazing we're progressing. And, yes, it's not the end of all, you know, discrimination and stuff like that but wow you've got people who've backed a black president in the usa maybe the world is okay and the iraq war can fade away and all that sort of stuff and then and then everyone hates everything and you end up with trump it's just such 
like when you think about back to that night, because we were working, I think, still in radio together. Yeah, 2008, we would have been. And you think about how optimistic. Yeah. Oh, I remember that. And even in, even in, Time. I think it was 2012 when the, yeah, 2012 when he was, re- when, when he, when he was re-elected. Yeah. And that, that, that even was a very big deal because people were like, oh, he might not get re-elected. Mitt Romney might get up. Yeah, that's you know, right. And he didn't like so you know he got reelected so yeah. there there was definitely like like a renewed sense after that of, of jubilation like another four years of, of hope and then here's and a then weird that, question weird yeah. experiment if Mitt Romney had won yes would you have had Trump uh like I don't think we would have probably not I mean Trump but, Trump is definitely a reaction to Obama. Yeah, but if you'd have if you if it was it was during that second term where like they would insult Trump and he got roasted a few times at various dinners and similarly that was a big part of him going well that's it I'm going to run for president mm. although he's had various tilts at it in the past so it was probably always going to happen at some point um, yeah although whether he was successful I mean whether he would have stood against an a Republican candidate. Uh, you know, is very interesting. Like, like to think about, like whether he would have gotten up in 2016, regardless of who was in power. Like whether, if Mitt Romney was seeking real re re-election, whether he would have stood up as an independent, maybe, or, you know, mm. who knows? I and mean, he probably wouldn't have had much success as an independent because no one ever does. No. But, you know, the the it, just this weird confluence of events where he was just in the right place at the right time culturally. Yeah, and, and the Republican Party were kind of rudderless because they'd lost two elections in a row that they thought they kind of could have won, you know, and 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 they sort of like, well, let's try this guy, I guess, you mm. know, like, and it's interesting. Yeah. It is interesting to think that had Obama lost to Romney, Romney would have been probably standing again as president, and maybe he would have lost like to Clinton in twenty sixteen, like if she had run then. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, but but having said that, um, it's relatively unusual for a president not to get two terms. Um, it happens, like like George W. Bush Senior, um, That's got rolled by, by Clinton, hilariously. Um, so you know that, that could, maybe history would have repeated itself, but mm. it's relatively relatively rare. They usually go if you once you get in, you usually have two terms, which again. Yeah is kind of terrifying for yeah, our future next year. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's just one of those things where I didn't think he would get up. I didn't necessarily no. think he would. I was would... telling everyone it was impossible for him to get up, and I had the I had the numbers to back me up. I just was more of a hope, like, they can't elect him. Like, he's a walking joke. Like, surely <laughs> any person with an iota of common sense can look at that and go no you're yeah. an idiot but i, I yeah, was very wrong think. so anyway I, I just like thinking of these things because you look at something like watchmen with its alternative yes exactly yeah yeah a, a world where a world where richard nixon was president for 20 years and followed by a robert redford presidency that also lasted for about 30 years yeah so you've got this whole thing where presidents don't just serve two terms now they can just keep being re-elected hmm. Um, and I find that those thought experiments interesting to do. But anyway, I should let you go. You should let me go. We I, should let I, each other go. We should let each other go. Um, across the podcast embrace. 
And, uh, well, thank you for catching up. We, we uh, Obviously, I have a show, Die Hard the Movie the Play, starting next week at the Brisbane Powerhouse. Um, tickets are selling really fast, Stu. I'm so thrilled. Uh, and just announced um, on uh, – that's just been announced this week is Perth Fringe World. Two yes. shows for Perth Fringe World in 2020. We're bringing Speed the Movie the Play back if you are in Perth and you missed out on seeing the bus, need to book in because we've only got a limited amount of shows. So – uh, huge logistical exercise. Come see the show. It'd be great. And also, Amy and I are following up Love, Hate, Actually with our new show called Puppies vs. Kittens. Fantastic. I love it so much. arguing about what's we, we better. We sizzled this last week, I think, and, and or the yes. week before, and I'm really glad this is out in the world now because it's such a great idea. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see what can come of it. But um, if people have strong yes. opinions about cats and dogs, and that's why we hope that people will come and see it and, you know, vote for their favourite animal and we'll work it out every night what's better. And I'm representing <laughs> kittens, of course. Of course you, you are. Kittens. So, and I, I've, yeah. got, I've got to say, I mean, this is the thing. It always seems to happen. I'm Team Amy. <laughs> this is despite the fact that my foster cat, Hazel, adores Stu. She loves him. Look, and yet he's just... Hazel, Hazel is objectively hashtag the best cat. <laughs> um, but I will say that on the whole, cats confuse and frighten me. So, <laughs> you know, I've, I've never grew up, I grew up around dogs. I didn't grow up, grow up around cats. So I'm definitely a dog person. I, I understand dogs. I know what they, I know what they're doing. I know how to That's act around they're them. They're very simple. They're well, very they're very simple creatures. <laughs> and then so am I. <laughs> well, anyway, it's um, it's going to be debuting in Perth, and hopefully at some point next year we'll do it in Brisbane and maybe around the around the trap somewhere. So it's all it's all timing out with festivals and you know finding. It's a busy couple of months. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's. I'm not really getting much of a Christmas break. I've got to be honest with you. Uh, it's going to be a bit intense. <laughs> but look, that's that's all good. That's what that's what I'm doing for a job. So. You know, the, the day that the festivals say, actually, we don't want you, that's when I've really got to start to worry. So at the moment, <laughs> things are okay. And, uh, yeah, there'll be more announcements. Oh, gosh, later this month, actually, there'll be more announcements of more stuff. So hopefully within another podcast or two, uh, which we might we might uh, have to work out our time, Stu, because I'll be uh, performing on stage. Yes, so this is going to get, to this is get very tricky. Out, so. We've made yeah, a commitment so. without fully thinking it through. No, 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 it's okay. We'll find times. We just, just so audience and listeners know, it might be fluid. You know, <laughs> you'll just, you'll see a podcast turn up one day and you'll be like, oh my god, what a surprise! It's another podcast. The Hopefully. schedule will slip and slide and slither down drains, <laughs> just like Lube Man. I love Lube Man. Is he my favourite character this year? It could be. Have to, I have to keep reminding myself that Game of Thrones is this year. <laughs> well, and, and like, you know, <laughs> Game of Thrones Game finished of Thrones. this year. Endgame happened this year. Like, people, that was so long ago now. Like, Avengers Endgame happened. Oh, yeah. Remember when all that started in, like, the early 2000s? In so 2000 like, and 2008 or 2006, yeah. yeah. And I remember was... back then looking at the, like, they planning movies until 2019. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> People looked at that and said, oh, the hubris of that. My goodness. (laughs) Well, This will surely all come crashing down. And the hubris of us, Stu, of starting another podcast. uh, (laughs) Plan. That's how we roll. It's fine. That's how we roll. Uh, Well, thank you, Stu. Thank you, everyone. And 
uh, we still don't have a tag sign-off, um, so we'll just say, let's go Lube Man. <laughs> Lube Man lives. Lube Man lives. See you next time.